Hello and welcome to another installment of The Scrum. It's a podcast from WGBH News where we talk about politics, sometimes political media, oftentimes focused on Boston or Massachusetts, though sometimes we go national. I am joined today by my colleague Peter Kadzis, the senior editor of WGBHnews.org. Hello, Peter. Great to be here. And also, I'm delighted to say we're joined by Boston City Councilor Tito Jackson. Councilor, thank you for coming in. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Now, many of our listeners, most of our listeners, I think, will know who you are and they'll be familiar with your body of work. But for those who aren't, I I think it is fair to say that you, among other things, have emerged as the member of the Boston City Council who is most willing to push back at decisions made by the administration of Boston Mayor Marty Walsh on a host of different issues. I'm thinking of the Olympics, where you played a big role, uh, the battle over funding for the Boston Public Schools, development in the city. I was at a hearing uh, the other day when you were the only person who spoke out against the proposal to extend the BRA's urban renewal powers. Is that a fair characterization of of at least one of the hats you wear right now in City Hall? Adam, I I think the fairest characterization is that uh, I'm usually on on the side of the people and on the side of doing the right thing and around uh, economic uh, accountability for people in the city of Boston. When we look at the Olympics, it was a $9 billion proposal, and they didn't want to give us the financials, right? How do you – and again, Peter's a a really great guy. I love him to death. But if Peter was going to do a $9 billion deal with me, he better bring me a whole, whole lot of numbers. And in this situation, we were risking the future of the city of Boston. And I, yes, I had to put forward a pretty bold uh, statement and actually uh, subpoena those documents. Um, when it comes to development in the city of Boston, uh, yesterday uh, there was extension of urban renewal. Billions of dollars of construction are going on in neighborhoods and communities. And urban renewal actually silences a lot of folks relative to uh, being able to have a voice at the table. I want to note 90% of the city of Boston is actually not in the urban renewal zone. So, yeah, I, I am going to hold uh, the administration uh, to account, but also uh, we're just going to simply do the right things for the people that we represent. Do you consider yourself a populist? Um, I, I think Peter would consider me popular. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, um, um, listen, I, I can... Jeez, uh, do I get the word in there twice? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I consider myself... Um, a uh, pragmatic leader um, who cares about people in, in the neighborhoods and communities. I care about closing uh, disparities uh, in our city, uh, and I care about the uplift of uh, the whole city of Boston, uh, not only uh, the folks in the big buildings downtown. All right. So the first question, well, I shouldn't say the first question. The next question I want to run by you uh, involves the Boston public schools budget. And I think this back and forth for a lot of us, has been difficult to follow from the outside, even if we're trying to pay attention to it and get the details right. You know, you had uh, Boston Public School students walking out of class protesting proposed budget cuts on Boston Common. You had Mayor Walsh pushing back pretty hard, saying uh, there were you know, maybe some labor-related groups behind these protests, that these protesters were acting on the basis of bad information. Then you had the Walsh administration backtrack a bit, Uh, Superintendent Tommy Chang sending out a letter saying many of these cuts are going to be restored. Uh, 
What is your take? We're talking right after this uh, this vote by the Boston uh, School Committee on the new amended city budget. What's your take on this now that the dust has settled? Are you happy with what happened? Um, I, my take is that this is an irresponsible budget for the young people of the and the future of the city of Boston. Why? And the reason why I say that is it. And you know, people keep on uh, speaking about the top line number of a billion dollars, right? So we spend nineteen thousand one hundred dollars per pupil. Our friends in Cambridge, they spend $27,000 per pupil. We have some of the most difficult students um, to actually educate. About 48% of our students, are uh, their parents speak English as a a second language. Many of them face trauma um, and and, uh, and are English language learners. So with that said, um, what's getting cut out of this budget, those trauma students, $3,000 per student, is getting cut from them. Um, for autistic students, they're actually removing people from their classrooms and increasing the class size. And I was in, at Charlestown uh, High, and a teacher broke down in tears as her because she was telling me about her classroom of autistic students that was going from eight to ten students, and she was also losing uh, her her aid. These that is not a responsible uh, budget, and 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 at a time, and so people all should also should note. Uh, the, the budget only increases by $13.5 million. $38 million a year uh, for the past two years, and now we're down to a third of that. That is ir- irresponsible and does not leave the Boston Public Schools uh, where they need to be uh, and, and to continue to compete as a number two large public school system in the country. Tito, the problem with the Boston Public Schools goes beyond the the numbers on the spreadsheet, though. Um, There were too many empty seats. The Menino administration pulled the trigger on the first phase of school closings and consolidations. When is the Walsh administration going to face reality and do the same? Well, so I don't don't ever trust uh, government to cut before they measure. We should we should measure a bunch of times before we cut because I, I we actually that's probably one of the reasons why we shouldn't be cutting art because I don't think we do a good job in that space. So uh, the, we currently have a 1.5 million dollar comprehensive facilities plan that's going on right now, and so what we should actually look at because we're the only. A landowner in the city of Boston that has 128 buildings uh, that doesn't know the state of, the, of their buildings um, and may, may not even know all of the locations of those buildings. Uh, the last uh, plan in 2010 said there were about 55, 5,600 uh, extra seats in the Boston public schools. The other piece, Peter, that you actually have to look at is, one, the state of the, the physical plant, but also because today in the paper – there are people, kids who can't drink water out of a water fountain because there's lead in the in the schools that uh, that they're in. So one, how are you replacing uh, the buildings uh, that are there? And then also, there's something in in the world of real estate called swing space. So when you actually are doing work on one building, you know what? You need some space to move young people over to uh, over to it. So when it comes down to it, um, right now I say hands off of those buildings. Um, I, I say let's do our analysis. Uh, let's let the comprehensive facilities plan uh, look at um, all of the things that we need. Look, physical plant, demographics, because we also, you know, uh, five-year-olds don't just show up. They actually are, are born five years prior. Um, and actually, let's do right by other uh, young people in the Boston well, public it, schools. It, it makes sense to project. No argument there. But Sam Tyler from the Municipal Research Business uh, Bureau, whose business is really constant measurement, you know, was saying, geez, if people think this year's tough, until we close, until we get the the, the number of empty seats into some sort of um, uh, 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 
reasonable sync with the number of students, um, the the school department budget's going to be under pressure for a long time to so come. Let's also let, let's also look at uh, relative to the to the school closings. Let's also actually look at uh, what we need to provide for our young people with the special education student. You you do need to note uh, we need to use the Mass School Building Authority, uh, which is really the gold standard of of measurement, right? And what people come in and do, and they say, well, let's look at the whole building and uh, divide it by the number of students in the building. It doesn't work that way because a special education student needs to be pulled out of class every day and they have to go to a resource room. And I actually just object to uh, the, the notion that for public schools, we're going to fill every single classroom up to the brim um, but the, the private school, the charter school, or the uh, parochial school down the street, people are actually patting themselves on the back uh, based on uh, the, the, the actual space that they have in the school and the student-to-teacher student, uh, student teacher ratio. So the bottom line is you're opposed to closing or consolidating uh, I didn't schools. say that. What I said is that we actually have to actually look at a plan. Um, the comprehensive facilities plan that we have going on. Let's let the plan uh, actually progress, get the answers first uh, before bringing people what, into what, hysteria. One, one, just one last question. I mean, I'm as, as a public school parent mm -hmm. and as a taxpayer yes, in the sir. city of Boston, yep. I've been listening for a good six years now to people talking about, well, we have to get the right measurement. What in Blaze's name is taking so long? Well, and I thought there was a and study right done, wasn't there? I mean, didn't McKinsey do a study at the request well, of the Walsh administration? Yeah, but the McKinsey study, <laughs> I, I, I actually, uh, the McKinsey study, I haven't seen the McKinsey study. And in fact, the McKinsey study, the $600,000, uh, $660,000 that they spent on a McKinsey study could have been used to save the Diploma Plus program at Charlestown High. Why are we doing a Why are we having McKinsey do a study when we already have a $1.5 million contract? comprehensive study that's bringing everybody in at that time. So there, when we're looking at where, we, where we're wasting dollars, and McKenzie did a study, and they didn't use the Mass School Building Authority uh, uh, rubric, uh, which is the gold standard. So my question is, why we, why aren't we investing that McKenzie study money into the Boston Public Schools instead of uh, having studies? Uh, understand, uh, the reason why I'm upset is because we only have 30 slides. That's 20, 20 grand From a slide. From the McKenzie study. Um, and, and I'm sure- Are they P nice P slides? Are they pretty good? Uh, they're, they're pretty nice slides, but you know, that that's yeah, All right, just a little to go expensive. Back, just to go back to the budget for a second. Yes. So for, for uh, lay people yes. out there, what happens now with the budget and yes. what do you want the council to do? Yep. So- uh, the budget, the th the budget that only has a thirteen point five million dollar increase, which by the way is one point three five percent increase on on a billion dollar budget, uh, half of inflation. Actually, I'm sorry, gotcha. less than half of inflation. It comes to the Boston City Council. Um, in the first week of uh, April, uh, we will receive it into the Boston City Council, and then uh, that is when uh, the um, the negotiation occurs between the council as well as the mayor. We'll take a, a vote on it uh, in, in May, uh, and it, it will we'll vote it down, and then that's when the clock really starts uh, ticking relative to uh, what we can actually get uh, restored back into into this budget. Just while we're on the topic of schools, I, I want to ask you. I heard Mayor Walsh make comments during the, the protests about budget cuts that sounded like they were directed at you talking about elected officials who were 
uh, he didn't use this phrase, but, you know, whipping up passions among the protesters. You said here today that you think the budget is irresponsible. Obviously, it's backed by the Walsh administration. Have you at any point in the last few months sat down with the mayor to talk about your feelings on the schools and his feelings on the schools? Yes, we've talked about uh, my feelings on the schools and his feelings on the schools uh, a bunch of times, and we disagree. Um, but what I also will say is, first off, I'm proud of the 3,650 young leaders who stood up, knowledgeable young leaders who stood up and actually did something um, that many people have questioned about their generation. They actually did something um, uh, by, by standing up. And, you know, by them standing up, a couple days later, $6 million moved someplace. Not $6 million in new money, but $6 million in, in money actually moved. Uh, so what, what I would say uh, simply is that um, we— we actually disagree relative to um, the fact that the Boston Public Schools needs to be invested in this year. I think uh, Tommy Chang is a great leader, and I think the things that he wants to put forward, uh, sh- he shouldn't have to wait two years to, to lead. Um, and we are actually hamstringing the new superintendent by not allowing advanced work classes to go across rigor and across the So district. do you think Mayor Walsh is holding Superintendent Chang back? Well, I would simply say this. Uh, the dollars uh, that are on the table right now um, do not allow uh, Superintendent Chang to innovate in the district. Because uh, understand, the $6 million that uh, that came to the high schools actually took from all of the programs that Superintendent Chang uh, want, wanted to move forward. And understand, we're cutting early education programs, before and after care, for three- and four-year-olds. Uh, we're cutting um, programs that uh, are for the, the, the most needy uh, young people in, in the city. And that is simply unacceptable at a time when Boston will receive $95 million more this year in net new uh, real estate taxes. So you can't, you know, if you're dad and you have and you have a, a and, and you get a big check, and you buy a brand new car. You can't tell me I can't get a bike. Gotcha. All right. I have one more schools question. I think yeah. Peter has one more and then we'll move on to a couple other topics. What's your take on the Boston Latin status quo? Obviously, the U.S. attorney is investigating. People are waiting to see what that office ends up doing. But how do you feel right now about the response, the sort of protracted collective response to the allegations of racist behavior at Boston Latin? So um, Boston Latin uh, is is uh, it, it's an issue because uh, on March 3rd, 2015, I wrote a letter to John McDonough about the tweets that I that I had been made aware of. Um, and uh, it's been over a year, um, and I don't think that acceptable progress has been has been made, and we can't wait for the Department uh, of Justice. There is an open investigation, so I'm, I'm not going to go too far uh, into it, but when it comes down to it, um, it is our job to educate the young people in the Boston public schools, and in this case, these are the, the young people who tested in the top 1% in, in, our, in our system, and it's this is not, I just want to be very clear, this is not a situation of young people not being able to do the work. These are the brightest young people I've ever met. Uh, uh, the objective really here is to look at the bullying intimidation policy and that across the school district, uh, we're doing the right thing. Because the other problem is at Up Academy, 68 three and four year olds. So we didn't have suspensions um, when someone was th- uh, threatened to be lynched um, at, at uh, Boston Latin School. But Up Academy, there were 68 three and four year olds who were suspended out of school. So on April 11th, I'm doing a hearing. That's an incredible number, actually. 
Yeah, and, and by the way, that 68 represents over 10% of the three and four-year-olds who were suspended statewide. What, do you, suspend, what do you suspend a three or four-year-old for? I, I, I have no idea, and I don't believe that you should be in, in this education business if you, if you can't uh, uh, deal with the, the uh, young people uh, at that age. And in, in particular in Boston, um, most of the stu- many of the students have uh, some type of uh, special education need um, at, at that point. So we have to do a, a comprehensive review of uh, the discipline, uh, uh, discipline policies across the board. Restorative justice is the way. We need, by the way, the extended learning time, uh, our friends who are pushing for people to be in school longer, how do you uh, push for people to be in school longer, but then you want to suspend people more? That's ridiculous. You've been very tough on Boston Latin headmaster Lynn Mooney Tata, but four years ago, you were very conciliatory with Superintendent Carol Johnson when it came to light that Principal Rodney Johnson, someone she recruited and appointed, you know, was charged with beating his postpartum wife. There was a second incident um, with Superintendent Carol Johnson when the principal of the King School failed to effectively deal with a child molester. Um, Now, I'm not trying to whitewash the issues and problems at Boston Latin School, but why so tough today when four years ago you weren't taking a tough stand on that? I I actually, uh, what I would simply say is this. Um, action was taken under uh, Carol Johnson. And so when this when these things were brought to light, people actually acted. And so the real objective here is there are well over t- uh, 2,000 students at that school who are in school today. Uh, they, can, they can't wait for the Department of Justice for, for justice. Um, we have to educate them. We have to deal with bullying and, and, and intimid- intimidation. We have to uh, deal with a racially hostile environment at that school. And by the way, uh, one of the things that Carol Johnson did immediately is that she said she said she was sorry, and so when it comes down to it, um, the these issues and the, and that uh, person was re, was also uh, removed from the school. I do want to note um, in in those two cases. Okay, I'll let it go with that. It it, it just seems like I, I reviewed the Globe and stuff at the time. You seem to be pretty tough on. Um, John Conley, your fellow counselor, when he called for Johnson's resignation mm-hmm. at that time, um, to me, those are pretty serious criminal um, behaviors, not on Carol Johnson's part, yep. on the yep. part of the people. It, it just seems like they're... Um, so I, I use the same ruler. Um, and uh, sometimes we use it to measure, sometimes we use it for other things. But when it comes down to it, the, the, the real component here is that there has to be accountability, and what accountability also means action and moving the, it, and advancing uh, forward uh, an environment that is going to be safe uh, for those young people. Now, if Carol Johnson, uh, uh, after uh, this, these things being brought to light, left that individual there or left the individual at MLK there, uh, then that would have been an issue, but that was not the case. Um, and so in, in this situation, and also, you should note, I have actually not, um, I, 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 I've been uh, critical, but I think the, the, the critical component is based on the fact that we need an environment that is safe uh, for our young people to learn, and that's what I'm going to continue to push for. So when I watched you and your colleagues uh, cast a vote on the BRA's request for more urban renewal powers uh, this past Wednesday, you were the only counselor who spoke out, who voted against the request. I think Ayanna Presley and Josh Zakem voted with you to 
uh, to oppose the BRA's request for 10 more years in these 14 different neighborhoods. Um, when I listened to the people who voted, some of the people who voted in favor of the request, it sounded to me like no one was really that pumped about it. Uh, I think it was Sal LaMatina who said, you know, I'm not really sure why Charlestown is covered by an urban renewal plan or parts of Charlestown. I don't really get the North End waterfront either. Um, Michelle Wu didn't sound overly enthusiastic, and yet it was a 10 to 3 vote. Why was the vote not just affirmative, but so emphatically affirmative? When when you hear people talk about this urban renewal issue, no one really sounds that big on the BRA and the way they do business. I, I can't speak for uh, others in terms of their <laughs> vote. I'll just simply say this. Um, it is... Uh, the South End is an urban renewal uh, district. The Fenway is an urban uh, renewal. You know, with all of that blight going on over by the Fenway, oh, my goodness. We definitely need to make sure that we have those urban renewal piles. And then, and like I said, the, the South End and, and Bay Village, and oh, my goodness, we definitely need to have those powers there. <laughs> Let's... Okay, so when it comes down to uh, the urban renewal powers, again, 90% of the city ha- is, is not even touched by this. We're the, we are one of the hottest real estate markets in the whole United States uh, of, of America. We actually, as a city, have those powers. And the issue that I have is that I'm an elected official. The, the individuals who, uh, who run the BRA are, are not. Um, so when it comes down to it, I, there, there is due process uh, that uh, Peter, uh, on a regular basis, lets me know about if I don't do what I'm supposed to do or if I take votes uh, that are, are outside of uh, what people in my neighborhood and community. This is the one uniting thing that happened for my whole district. Um, every every uh, neighborhood association said that they uh, were uh, against this. And really, they were against it because uh, there's not the transparency. And it's not about—I I, I actually think Brian Golden is one of the best uh, folks to run the organization but that's it's not about personalities it's actually about power you think it's a structural thing it is a, absolutely a and and then the the, re, the quote unquote review that we now have understand the bra doesn't doesn't even have to come to the city council for us to approve their budget we don't have power over the BRA. One of the things that I actually brought up is that I, I thought every single eminent domain uh, a proposal for the BRA should go through the Boston City Council. We're the ones who, who are going to have to, uh, to wear it, uh, we're the, and our neighborhoods are going to be the ones that have to feel it. And you brought but, that up before the vote to extend when you yes, guys were talking about and, changes in the yeah, parameters. That didn't happen. So all of they have to do now when there's eminent domain and come back and say, hey, uh, we're, uh, we're going to go take uh, Peter's property. Right? You're so welcome to it. Okay. Heads up, Peter. <laughs> just shovel, just shovel the sidewalk. So, and again, um, I, I, I think this this isn't about bad people, but also it is it not okay for a planning and development organization to come to me and say that they didn't do their homework. I thought from the last mayoral race, by the way, that there were going to be some changes made in the the combination of the planning and development. Well, departments. Adam, I'll, I'll I can say as someone who uh, covered a lot of that race. Um, people early in the race were very critical of the BRA. Even before the final election, the closer all the candidates came to realizing they might have all that power, <laughs> they began to soften their r- remarks about the BRA. But speaking of power, I've got a final question, or a oh, series boy. of questions for the council. <laughs> Tito, are you going to run for mayor? I've thought about uh, running for public office when I actually took this job. And uh, when it comes down to it, I am very happy with uh, the District 7 job, and I'm going to continue to do this job every single day. Okay. Will you be... All right, Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) Will you be 
but you'll be doing it for another pretty much two years. But how about in a, a year plus time? You know what? Um, I, I have no idea what the future uh, holds, but I do know that every single day I'm going to go to work, um, and in particular relative to these issues around schools um, and also uh, the uh, dollars that are leaving the district relative to charters. Um, I'm going to continue to fight and ensure that we uh, have uh, what we need in the Boston Public Schools. Just I, I accept your answer, but on yes, behalf sir. of all those people I hear um, speculating, and by the way, they say they're speculating. Why do you think people speculate that you might be making a run for mayor? Um, I, you know what? I, I, what I would simply say is this. Uh, I, I fight hard, and I fight hard for the things uh, that, I, that I believe in. Um, and, I, and I fight hard to close disparities in a, in a city that is the most uh, disparate city in, in the whole country. Um, uh, one that uh, a white family in the city of Boston, is, net worth is $247,500, and a black family's net worth is $8. Right. Um, a city in one part of my district in Roxbury uh, versus Back Bay. Between those two, there's a 33 year uh, difference in life expectancy. You know what? I'm going to continue to fight every single day, and in particular in the schools, which has really been uh, that uh, that great equalizer uh, to make sure that we are literally uh, one city of Boston um, and not a city divided. And so, um, maybe if if they're, they're speculating based on that, um, I'm going to continue that fight every single day. And that was a Heck of a non. That's a candidate one of the speech. one of the best non-answers I've heard. Now, yeah. By the well, way, well, no, this was a substantive. Well, it was a substantive this non-answer. Was a substantive. A substantive uh, I don't want to say dodge because that doesn't get no, enough credit. No, it wasn't credit. a dodge. By the way, and, and I think you know this. When we asked people on Twitter, we're interviewing Tito Jackson. What do you want us to ask him about? I mean, we got responses like, "Ask him where I can join his 2017 mayoral campaign or sign up to support it," or "Ask him if he's going to run for mayor." And I, of course. I actually stuck my neck out on Greater Boston, I think back at the end of 2015, making a prediction that, hey, guess what? I think, you know, looking into my crystal ball, and I kind of pulled it out of an orifice, but I think Tito Jackson is going to run for mayor. So was I just, uh, you know— I, I, Coming I don't, up with something I don't know nothing. if you have any relation to Nostradamus. I actually don't know your family. <laughs> I don't know your family. Your family None history. of which I am aware. Um, but what you can be sure of is that I'm going to go to work every single day and uh, fight for the folks, um, and, and uh, fight for the folks who uh, deserve it most. Um, which I believe it's everyone in the city of Boston, but in particular uh, those who uh, haven't had uh, the fairest shake. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying that that was I'm, supposed to get last, brother. I'm, I'm, uh, that was a ha ha. <laughs> Listen, man. I, 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 every every day for me is a chance. I, I was actually, uh, I first when, when I was first born, I was in the hospital for about two months, right? Oh, I didn't and know. That. Not because I was sick, but because I was adopted. So I, I look. I honestly, I look at this every single day as a as a gravy day in terms of uh, opportunity, and I'm going to just continue to fight uh, out there uh, for those folks who need it, and really to uh, close achievement gaps, to close opportunity gaps, and uh, to bring our our city uh, elevate everybody, Adam, because fifty percent of the folks make thirty five thousand dollars. Uh, a year I honestly less. don't know how they do it, by the way. That's a conversation for another time, but uh, yeah. my mind boggles at that. Peter, you got anything else before nope, we let nope. him go? So, All right, that's no. Oh, oh go ahead, counselor. No, Last I, word, you. I just no. I just want. I I want to thank uh, you guys for this opportunity. Um, and it's great for me to uh, hook up with my my fellow heavy hitter. Over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, Boston City Councilor Tito Jackson, thank you for coming in and talking with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. That is going to do it for this installment of the Scrum. Uh, Peter Kadzis, my WGBH colleague. Thanks to you as well. 
Thanks to all of you listeners. You can sign up to get our podcast, The Scrum, on iTunes. You can also find us on the sundry podcatchers that are out there, Stitcher, SoundCloud, that kind of thing. You can find back episodes at blogs.wgbh.org slash scrum. And if Tito Jackson makes a run for some other office down the road, you may hear him employ this song on which we will go out. Thanks again for listening.